The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference and General Dynamics presents Leadership Begins With Me, a professional development seminar featuring Human Resources Manager Robin Butler, Senior Director of Operations Nicoya Green, Information Systems Supervisor Michael Dawson, and Director of Strategic Talent Programs Adrian Alberts. Developing leaders is essential to make a great and lasting impact. The leader has a vision and sees the big picture, but he or she needs other leaders to help make their mental picture a reality. As we embark on a journey of personal and professional growth, this session will help us to cultivate our leadership skills and comprehend that leadership begins with me. We've heard that leaders are born, and this session will dispel that myth and aid us in the discovery of how one can learn to lead and influence others. You will be challenged not only to learn about developing as a leader, but also to take the action steps necessary to invest in the potential leaders around you. You'll learn principles that have been tested and proven again and again. You will learn to unleash the power of influence and be a champion for others. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference and General Dynamics presents Leadership Begins With Me, featuring Robin Butler, Nicoya Green, Michael Dalton, and Adrian Alberts. Well, good morning. And welcome. We're so excited that you have joined us. I, as the moderator, Robin Butler, I'm going to go over a few points that I've been asked to cover for housekeeping notes. Um, you are in the Leadership Begins With Me. That is the name of our seminar this morning. And we are in the Delaware B room. And it is a little bit after 10.15, so if that was a seminar that you were planning to attend, you're in the right place. And if not, stay anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right, make sure that you, I think the gentleman scanned your badges on the way in, but if you did not get your badge scanned, please make sure that you do that. They want to um, make sure they have an account of the attendees. For CEU and PDH credits, you can register at the Morgan State University table near registration in order to receive your continuing education units or professional development hours. Surveys. Please complete your survey on the seminar. A link will be sent via the registration site. Feedback is important for the conference planners to enhance the relevance of future BASDEM conferences. So we appreciate your feedback with that. The PowerPoint slides will be posted after the conference and can be viewed at www.slideshare.net backslash ccgmag. Remember to stay in touch with other BEA conference attendees by downloading the BEA app available under Career Communications Group in the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at Bea Technology. Join us on Facebook at Bea STEM. Okay. All right. Now that we've taken care of housekeeping notes, <laughs> we can switch gears and begin our presentation. First, 
I would like to begin by introducing our panel to you. Ms. Adrienne Alberts is the Director of Strategic Talent Programs for General Dynamics Information Technology. She has been an active organizational leader focused on talent management, program management, operations, and career development for more than 20 years. In her current role, she leads talent acquisitions program that diversify talent pipelines at GDIT with a focus on early career, university and school, diversity, military, and veteran recruitment. Welcome, Adrian. Michael Dawson is a six-year military veteran who was born and raised in Sacramento, California. In 2015, he joined General Dynamics as a computer network defense monitor. In February 2016, he ventured off to Asper, I can't even see this close, partners as a systems engineer, but later returned to General Dynamics as a junior systems administrator. Within two years, Mike was promoted to senior systems administrator technical team lead, and is currently the information systems supervisor, directly supervising three system administrators. Welcome, Michael. <laughs> Nikoya Green is a senior director of operations at General Dynamics Information Technology, where she plays a key role in developing, developing and executing the strategic direction for the Intelligence and Homeland Security Division. In this capacity, she is also responsible for identifying and implementing opportunities for more efficient operations. Prior to her current position, Ms. Green served as program manager for con contracts of varying size, scope, and complexity spanning from software development to cybersecurity. Welcome, Nikoya. I have the privilege of serving today as your moderator. I have over 20 years of HR experience and I work, up at our I work at our corporate headquarters for General Dynamics. And I am the HR manager and I serve as a business partner um, doing several things under that umbrella. So next slide, please. All right, our discussion today, leadership begins with me. Going to talk a little bit about that, give you an overview. We're going to have a panel discussion. And then, as Adrian already invited you to begin to think about some questions that you have for us, we're going to have an interactive QA session. Why leadership should begin with us. Developing yourself to become the leader, you have the potential to be will change everything for you. It will add to your effectiveness, subtract from your weaknesses, divide your workload, and multiply your impact. What could change in your life if you developed as a leader? Effective leadership requires more than management skills. The effectiveness of a leader will never I'm sorry, the effectiveness of a leader will never rise above their ability to lead and influence others. Therefore, leadership skills determine the level of not only a leader's personal success, but also the success of the organization. Leadership is developed, not discovered. So, we have taken 
some excerpts from the book by thought leader John Maxwell, Developing the Leader Within You 2.0, and we're going to highlight that in our panel discussion today. John Maxwell says leadership is influence. That's it. Nothing more. Nothing less. And we all know from our experiences that we can influence others for good or we can influence them negatively. Adrian, can you expand on the statement, the world becomes a better place when people become better leaders? So good morning, you all. I hope you can hear me. Can you all hear me well in the back? Okay, great, perfect. Um, so I'm excited to be here with you all today. I think we all are to talk about leadership and the quote, right? The world becomes a better place when we become better leaders. I think you're gonna see that through all of the conversations we have on the panel. All of the different characteristics that we're gonna talk about in leadership really all just strengthen us as better human beings. When we really lean into our leadership strengths, when we lean into influence and impact people in positive ways, we are enriching our own lives. And by the sheer fact of that, we are enriching the lives of individuals around us. When I think about the notion of influence and I think about the concept of leadership, we are all leaders, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's this misnomer that you have to be leading people or a huge project to be considered a leader. But if you're engaged in the room and you have a thought, you can lead, you can influence. There's this concept or notion of leading from the back, right? So I'm not in the front of the room. I'm not the most vocal person, but because I'm engaged, even my actions and the way I behave can be influential. So if we really embrace the concept of taking all the characteristics we're gonna talk about today and applying them to ourselves to enrich how we show up as leaders, whether we're in the front or leading from behind, we have the opportunity to be stronger individuals and everybody we touch becomes better. Thank you. So it's been said that the best investment in tomorrow is to develop your influence today. So we should all do what? Start now. As you evaluate your life, Adrian, where can you increase your influence to impact others? I think the thing that I try to do most often when I think about influence in the way that I really think has the most power to enrich other individuals, I, I try to do two things. Mm -hmm. One is do things like this, right? When we share a message, when we don't keep what we know to ourselves, <laughs> we immediately have the opportunity to impact somebody else's life and experience. And so I try often not to keep what I know to myself, but to share it with others. And the most powerful way that I can do that is to mentor, right? It's this notion that each one teach one and that to whom much is given, much is expected. And I always think that I didn't get in any seat, I didn't get through any door without the help of someone else, without a hand being reached back to pull me through. And so I intentionally do that for others. So whether it is through programs where I have the opportunity and blessing to be matched with a younger individual with whom I can share my current experiences or in my own organization, if I have the opportunity to provide exposure to someone, to offer a thought to them that might help them think a little differently about something they're working on, I try all the time to be a mentor and make sure that there's no place that I am going that there isn't somebody that I'm making an effort to bring with me. And I think that 
is influential in their lives and it absolutely has a positive influence on me. Awesome, thank you. So would everyone agree that influence is the beginning of true leadership, right? So let's talk a little bit about the key to leadership priorities. We all have them. Deadlines are not foreign to any of us, right? We have heard about the lean organization doing more with less, and sometimes it causes us to be just a little overwhelmed. So let's talk a little bit more about priorities. Successful leaders must be able to hand, handle several projects and tasks concurrently. Deciding which tasks deserve priority is a skill that leaders must develop. How do you juggle keeping your priorities and other people's expectations aligned. Um, so I'm gonna speak to that one too, and I offer if we're, <laughs> we're all doing it. So if anybody else wants to add to that, um, the so the notion is about our priorities and other individuals' expectations, and I think it's really critical because if I have a sense of what I think is most urgent and most important, and it does not align with my customer with my leader, mm -hmm. with my organization's priorities, then I will be ill-effective. So I think the first thing that I think to do in that environment is to make sure that I am being aligned around what the expectations are. I want clarity with whether it's my customer, whether it is a leader, um, that we are aligned around what the expectations are so that I can level set them, right? If I think that there's something that's out of alignment around that, we can mm -hmm. level set so that we are both, or organizationally, we are moving forward with clarity around what the expectations are. And then after that, really thinking about what is urgent versus what is important, I try to prioritize where I believe I have the ability to make the biggest impact or where I have the ability to create a quick win that is gonna really drive momentum to ensure that we have the energy and motivation to keep moving forward. So we think about priorities. It's not just what is in front of me and what can I get to most quickly, but it's really either where can I make the greatest impact for the organization or the team, or where can I create the most expedient win so that we are motivated to keep moving forward to make sure that we complete all those priorities. Mm -hmm. So what I hear you saying, Adrian, is that proactive beats reactive any day. Every time. Every time? Every time. Okay. Can you share with the audience some of your priority um, or some, some of your prioritization principles that you have established as a leader? So I think I probably mentioned a few of them, right? Starting with like really thinking about there's this model, I can't quote who, designed it, but this is literally this grid that talks about what is urgent versus what is important. Mm -hmm. And we all probably every day have somebody who comes to us with a fire drill, mm -hmm. something that is exceedingly urgent to them. Mm -hmm. um, but when we think about <laughs> what is important, right, and what has the ability to, to have the greatest impact, those things may not be the same. Mm -hmm. So that notion of being able to have productive conversations about level setting, conversations to level set expectations, I think that's really powerful because it gives us more opportunity to focus on what is important and has the ability to make the greatest impact. The other thing that I think about with priority setting is it's just critical to know yourself. Mm -hmm. There are things that are going to take me longer because of who I am and what comes easy to me. So prepping for a panel takes two seconds. Writing a document is gonna take me more time because I have to write in stages. Mm 
So when I think about literally what's in front of me, having a true understanding of who you are will help you decide what's going to take me more time. This writing assignment, I really have to put more time in, so I need to block out enough time to do that. And this, you know, either in it's something I have to look at from, from data, something that I have to do that's just a general presentation to a leader, it's going to take me much less time to do because that's something that just comes more easily to me. So I encourage you, just from some tips that have been helpful to me, clarify expectations and understand yourself well enough to know what you can execute quickly and with quality and what's gonna take you more time and use those things to help you guide how you're gonna prioritize the things that you have to accomplish. And for me, that can be hour to hour as quickly as things might move in our organization. Thank you. So just three nuggets to leave with you when you think about prioritizing things. And it's three R's. What is required of me? What gives me the greatest return? And what is most rewarding? Thank you, Adrian. So we'll switch a little bit and talk about the foundation of leadership, which is essential, our character, okay? And a lot of times, you know, we, we don't really want to go here because this gets personal, but our character is very important and this is an area that we must be consistent in. So Michael, how can you protect your character to ensure your leadership effectiveness? Thank you, Robin. Thank you guys for, uh, for coming today. Uh, <clears throat> for me personally, uh, to protect your character, I think it starts with the individual, it starts with yourself, right? Um, you, you can't lead anyone if you don't hone in onto your own ability to lead others. Uh, for me personally, I, I think it, it, my character has always uh, been my strong point um, I've, I've done things throughout, you know, high school, you know, quarterback, and then, you know, did the military and was a leader during that time frame. And even right now as an information su a supervisor uh, with the team that I lead. Um, and, and the biggest thing is, is if a, if a leader can hone into their own abilities, I mean, it gives you uh, the ability to speak and act, um, to be, you know, the courage, empathy, self-caring, um, these type of qualities that are all come out when, when you're a leader. So uh, I think that's very key for that, um, to show your character the best you can. Okay, thank you. So I mentioned the importance of consistency, and I think consistency plays into character because we have to make the decision to be the same person no matter who we're with. And I think that is important in our foundation. So we don't change when we're with this group of people. Um, I recently heard... Um, someone talk about why they have one Facebook page and he is um, a marketing guru. And he said, well, I'm the same person on this Facebook page as I would be in my business. And so if I'm authentic, it's truly who I am. So I don't have to have this for business and then something else because it's my life and I want to be that transparent with people. And so it just creates a seamless thing where I don't have to have you know, my business Facebook page and this. And he said, I have one Facebook page. So something just as simple as that, just to think about the consistency in our lives. Robin, can I add one thing? Just, sure. Just from the talent acquisition standpoint. So as a leader in organizations that recruit individuals, character is critical. Mm -hmm. 
right? Particularly if you want to be effective as a leader, again, leading from the front or the back, it doesn't matter where you are in the organization, character is critical and your care of your character is ex exceedingly important. Mm -hmm. The higher up you go in organizations, we are hiring you because of your character, mm -hmm. because of the persona you present, because you are going to be the face of our organization. So anywhere you are, right, any role that you're in now, any roles that you are thinking of moving into, really think about how you show up, right? Mm -hmm. What is this authentic presentation of myself? How does, how does that show up on my social media? How does that show up in my interactions with individuals? Because your technical skill we can assess, but your character we have to get to know over time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen quickly in an interview environment, so we're taking a risk, but it is the thing that we are trying to assess all the time. So understand what Michael said about your character and understanding yourself, it really is critical to everything that you might do as you think of growing in your careers um, and taking on different leadership roles. I'd like awesome. to add one, sure, one Nicole, thing yeah. to that as well. Um, and, and both Michael and Adrian have said, you know, a lot of great things about character. And I just want to expound on that a little bit in regards to your future careers, right? So um, within my division, I'm within the Intelligence and Homeland Security Division, and um, a lot of the customers that we work with require security clearances. And to get those security clearances, they're gonna be looking at, you know, some of the things that you've done in the past. And those things, um, while they may have seemed fun, you know, when you rejoin them, <laughs> will come back, you know, can come back around to haunt you. So I, I would definitely encourage you to Think about those things um, now. It's never too early uh, to, to, to take character into account. Awesome. So much of leadership relies on good character. Trust is created through it. Talent is protected by it. Internal peace is fostered by it. Michael, what do you actively do to develop the trust of others? So, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, it's, mm -hmm. it's called consistency and mm -hmm. being consistent. Um, a leader's reputation is based over a time period, it's not just in the moment all the time. So uh, demonstrating through competency and strong character um, are, are ways to um, show others around you that, hey, look, I can rely on this person uh, to, uh, to lead them to do whatever that might be. Um, also, when a leader's beha uh, behavior, behavior is consistently reflects strong leadership, it results in um, respect, trust um, among your peers, among your uh, management, um, and those who are, you know, you're trying to uh, lead, so. Awesome. So what I hear you saying is that character will make you bigger on the inside versus the outside. Correct. All right, yeah. thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the ultimate test of leadership, creating positive change, not just change, but positive change. So this is Nicoya. What can you learn? This Adrian, I'm sorry. What can you learn about making positive change? Okay, I'm sorry. They're getting me on this. <laughs> what can you learn about making positive change? Uh, so um, the, the kind of this quote, I kind of started following a while back would be uh, uh, adjust, don't overhaul. Um, because changing behavior isn't easy, right? I know that, you know, sometimes people are 
built to have certain habits and tendencies and, and they're hard to break. So uh, when it comes to developing your leadership behavior, um, you, you want to adjust. You know, you don't you don't want to sit here and try to like, I'm going to try to reinvent myself and be a new person because typically that probably won't happen. And then you'll not look as genuine, you know, to your other people because they're like, ah, I don't know about this person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and, and we all, I think, can understand that when you change, you're usually changing for um, something to be positive or to avoid something negative, you know, and that's why people do uh, do change. And so uh, the key to about going about this change in terms of behavior is um, just be, like I said, go back to being consistent and then just kind of adjust the way um, you're approaching things, you know, and, and also, you know, maybe get input and feedback from others to see, okay, how, you know, how should we go about this? You know, I mean, working with others to, to kind of say, okay, well, this is how we can be, and that can affect and make you grow um, as a leader by doing that, so. Okay, thank you. Why do you believe that you get the greatest resistance to change as a leader? Uh, I would say basically because I think there's, uh, for, for people that are you know, looking for you to, to lead, it's the, the fear, the unknown. Um, there also could be um, about changing the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't sit well with two people. So I think um, it's important for us to understand as leaders um, to, that we're not going to be aware of all the, the resistance that we're going to affect, but mm-hmm. I think what we need to do is to have, if we have an understanding and we will be able to channel that and be able to recognize it when the time comes that, okay, this is, I might get resistance back from, you know, an individual or employee or, you know, the other people around you because of that. Okay. Sure. So I was at a conference couple of months ago, and they had a neuropsychologist talk to us about change. It was absolutely fascinating because essentially what she said is it's, it's our physiology, right? We are designed to fight or flight when change is introduced. So it doesn't really matter how drastic the change is. Our natural immediate response is negative. It's how we are designed as human beings, right? Because we historically, they introduced change and someone was something was trying to eat us, right? <laughs> or we literally were fighting for our survival, right? And so it's, it's how our physiology is designed. So our immediate response typically to change is negative. It's the notion that in leadership, right? And, and I love what you were saying, Michael, it's about you don't know all of the resistance that's out there. That consistency in leadership to say, mm-hmm. we're gonna just keep working through it until we get there. We're gonna keep communicating positively until we get there. We're gonna keep making sure that you are connected to what we're doing and why we're doing this until we all get there. And we get there at different speeds mm-hmm. and paces. But just this notion, right, for all of us who are in this room, you're in this room because you're interested in leadership, right? You are a leader, you aspire to be a leader, and you care about leadership. That change is immediately going to be met with negativity and mm-hmm. resistance. It may not show up that way, but that fight or flight, that fear is immediately what's happening to people. Some may get over it very quickly in a matter of moments or seconds, and some may not. But as leaders, we're responsible to be that consistent voice and be that positive image so that we can all get through it. So I just wanted to add that that notion sure. that we all are fearful in the beginning. Sure. It, you know, it humanizes us all. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to change, we overestimate the event and underestimate the process. And I'll leave you with this, the importance of planning ahead. The P 
predetermine the change that is needed. The L, lay out your steps. The A, adjust your priorities. The N, notify key people. A, allow time for acceptance. The H, head into action. E, expect problems. A, always point to the successes. And D, daily review your progress. And so that's an acrostic for planning ahead. Thank you. So we're going to talk about the quickest way to gain leadership, and that's problem solving, because all of our organizations need good problem solvers. That's why they have us there. The decisions that we make are often impacted by our proximity to the problems that we are facing. And I've got this right, because this is Nicoya this time. <laughs> Tell me about your approach, Nicoya, to problem solving. Yep, absolutely. Um, so my background is in engineering. Um, growing up, I loved math, so problem solving was kind of my thing. Um, I liked that there were definite answers to the problems that was comfortable to me. Um, and I would say that I've carried that trait forward into my career. And so much so, it's in my career and my personal life where I've become known as the fixer. Um, <laughs> so, you know, in my family, you know, people come to me for, you know, um, advice when my mom and my sister, you know, are battling over something, you know, I'm in the middle of it. Um, and I would say that in my career, um, that it has served me well, albeit uh, at times a little frustrating. Um, but uh, Robin mentioned that uh, in the past I did program management and a lot of the programs that I started with uh, were problem programs. We went in, um, we had customer issues, we had employee issues. Um, and the company was really relying on someone to come in and kind of turn that around. And I like the way that this leads into building leadership because that's, again, this is one of the, the best ways to build a reputation, right? If you can come in and turn around a troubled program, you're kind of golden, right? And that's good. And then the, the flip side of that is that you go from troubled program to troubled program. Um, but that you know, the, you, you eventually, you know, you get, you kind of get used to it. Um, you get good or you get, <laughs> you get better at it. <laughs> um, and I, I will say that my personality, like I said before, I'm a problem solver, I'm task oriented, I'm action oriented. Um, and in the beginning of your career, when you're, you're more of a doer, you know, you, you, you're trained to, you know, get in there, solve the problem quickly, move on to the next thing. But as you grow through leadership, you know, that, that has to evolve and change. Mm -hmm. And you go from being the problem solver to helping other people solve the problems and collaborating with other people to solve the problems, right? So, and, you, and you're dealing with a lot more complex issues than a math problem <laughs> or, um, you know, or a fight between a mom and a sister. But when you're working together, um, and empowering other people as well, and you're asking the right questions, and you're not just doing a quick reaction, um, then you know that that typically leads to um, a better result um, in solving that problem. Awesome. 
So, Nicole, you already answered your follow-up question as well, because I was going to ask her how her approach to problem-solving evolved, but good. So I want to have you to think about this. Do you ever encounter people that you work with? They are fire lighters who blow things up or firefighters who calm things down. <laughs> Some people show up and they just make the problem worse. So you have to think about what you do when those individuals are around and how you react to the sparks of life. So thank you, Nikoya. Yeah, and to add on that. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Because, uh, just, just because. Um, like, <laughs> there, there, there's, there are, I call them um, problem seekers. Mm -hmm. And you will encounter those people in the workplace um, all the time. You know, there's people that, that just like to start trouble or complain um, and are not really interested in those in solutions. Um, so I would say that to, to kind of combat that um, is to stick with, with facts as, as much as possible, mm -hmm. right? Um, take the emotion out of it um, and, you know, focus on, on what's real and what you can prove and, um, and provide to others. Awesome. And I'm just laughing because I saw all of you start shaking your head. <laughs> but one of you looked down, and so I'm wondering if we were talking about it. <laughs> I'm looking at everybody in the room, so you won't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Great. So as leaders, we shouldn't run away from problems. We should face them head on because they do introduce us to opportunities. And Albert Einstein says that right in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. A leader's attitude must exemplify resolve, tenacity, focus, determination, and commitment. It must demonstrate consistency, see possibilities, and fight for victories during tough times. The extra plus in leadership is attitude. You're listening to Leadership Begins With Me, a professional development seminar featuring Robin Butler, Nicoya Green, Michael Dawson, and Adrian Alberts. Brought to you by General Dynamics and the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So can you elaborate for me, Adrian, on the remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. What do you do to adopt a whatever it takes attitude? So I, you know, this is one that I kind of grapple with in my mind, right? Are, are we predisposed to be positive? Are we predisposed to be negative? Mm. My hope is that it's not about a disposition, but it's that something we can actively decide. And I, I, I say it all the time to people, right? Tomorrow is a brand new day to start again. Like mm -hmm. every single day we have a brand new chance to start all over and make it the best that we can. Mm -hmm. But I've started to say, right, every moment is really that opportunity, Good. right? Mm -hmm. I came in last Monday, it was really rainy. I had a long commute. Everything seemed to be going wrong. 
and I started feeding into it, right? My attitude started feeding into it. And then I had to go back to the car to get my phone. Like it, it all started to seem to <laughs> compile on one another. And I literally had to take a moment and take a breath in that moment and say, this is not the day that we're going to have, mm-hmm. right? We are not going to have that day. And started to think about all of the things that I really could do and accomplish and that the past was the past. And I had a much better day mm-hmm. when I started interacting positively with inter- individuals I was interacting around. That's attitude, right? When we are faced with something challenging, we can decide that it is going to um, be catastrophic, that it's going to take, it's going to be too hard or too difficult to get beyond, or we can decide that it's not, right? We can decide that we have everything we need to push through it and move through it. And I think that when we make that decision, mm-hmm. we start to seek out those things that are gonna help us solve it, right? We happen to bump into the right person and ask the question and they're like, oh, I can connect you with this person. We happen to get the right email at the right time from the individual who was you know, gonna ask us or offer us something that would move us forward you get the meeting cancellation that gives you a little more time to address the issue that you needed to address. Literally, I think that when we think about or have the attitude that we're going to be optimistic and look positively, we will see the positive because it's, it's what we've chosen. And if we decide that it's going to be negative, we'll see the negative because that's also what we've chosen. I think that there aren't a lot of things that we innately have full control over in our lives, but our attitude is one thing that we mm. have complete control Mm -hmm. over. And I think if we choose every day, every moment to opt for what is better, right? To opt to say we can do this Mm -hmm. as opposed to we cannot, we can make it possible. Awesome. Theodore Roosevelt says this about taking the bull by the horns. There is nothing brilliant nor outstanding about my record, except perhaps one thing, I do the things that I believe ought to be done. And when I make up my mind to do a thing, I act. Adrian, who do you admire the most as a leader and why? So that's a long list of individuals that I admire, but for this thought about attitude, Mm -hmm. um, I decided I was gonna go with my forever POTUS. Mr. Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. Uh, simply because one of the things that I really appreciated about his service as president is that he was consistently bombarded with things that were trying to detract from what he was ultimately trying to accomplish, right? And we all experience that. Mm -hmm. So consistently, time and time again, I'm trying to move something forward and I'm being met with consistent resistance. But what I saw, and I've known right clearly, Mr. Obama's not my personal friend. I have no idea what he was really thinking, but what I saw was always an optimistic attitude and belief that we can make a change, right? Mm -hmm. That we can move something forward, that if we just continue to move forward in that way and partner, that we can make a difference. And that is is an attitude that I try to adopt, Mm -hmm. that, that there's nothing that will come my way that I don't have the opportunity to positively influence. It may not always turn out the way that I want it to, But if I think about it in the right way, there's always another opportunity maybe to get a go at it if you keep making the positive change. I think from a leadership perspective, it also requires us to take deliberate action. Mm -hmm. So we can't just kind of wait for the positive thing to happen. We have to have the right attitude, but I think it also has to be coupled with the right intentional actions and behaviors. And I think that 
my forever POTUS um, really exemplified that for me. And so I chose him particularly for, for the thought about attitude. Thank you. Oh, I just heard a name. <laughs> <laughs> the heart of leadership is serving people. The true leader serves, serves people, serves their best interest. And in doing so will not always be popular, may not impress, but because true leaders are motivated by loving concern rather than a desire for personal glory, they are willing to pay the price. That is from Eugene Hobacker's The Other Side of Leadership. Nikoya, can you provide some examples on how you know when you are serving your team, colleagues, and others well? Sure, but before I answer that question, um, and I know it wasn't, I didn't get this question about who I admire and look up no to. No problem. It relates to this. Sure. Um, and so I am going to uh, talk a little bit about my mom. So uh, my mom is somebody that I, um, she was a single, uh, single mother of me and my two siblings. And uh, growing up, you know, she did whatever she could, you know, to, to, to move up and, and take care of us. She started off at her company as a file clerk um, and has, you know, moved up the ranks in different positions. And all along the way, um, she always told us um, that serving people, you know, was the way to, to move forward. Mm -hmm. And that was the way to do things. Um, she's now a senior vice president of um, IT, um, you know, at her company, <laughs> thank you, um, and recently won a Women Who Mean Business Award. Awesome. Um, I'm super proud of, yeah. Um, but yeah, but she's she's always talking about servant leadership, and I really respect that and admire it. Um, and I would say that it's one of the things that I try to try to carry forward. Um, and I think you know when you're serving people well, when when those people that you're serving, no matter who they are, and and uh, you know they're they're moving forward, right? They're being empowered. They're progressing in their careers. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're looking at new opportunities and you're, you're helping them with those opportunities, even if it doesn't benefit you, you know, at the time. Um, and that's something that I've seen her do and something that I try to do and encourage everyone to do um, in their careers. Just a note, like from mm -hmm. a leadership perspective. So when you're sitting in the room and you have an opportunity to let somebody soar and you think, oh, going to hurt me for them to soar because it's going to be more work for me or a harder task for me. And you choose you over them. You just negated that whole notion of service. So good. Mm -hmm. Right. It is incumbent upon us to let them soar because it will come back in spades if you do. Mm -hmm. And it will hold you down if you don't, because they will still leave. Mm -hmm. That is so good. And it leads right into what I was going to say, servant leadership, servant leaders, I'm sorry, should listen without judgment, be authentic, build community, share power, and develop people. Give them the opportunity. It doesn't take anything away from you. Don't rely on your position or title. Believe in people and their potential. See things from the perspective of others. Create an environment of encouragement and measure your success by how much value you add to others. 
right in line with what Adrian was saying. Thank you, Nicoya. The indispensable quality of leadership is vision. And we know the importance of having a vision. Vision gives significance to the otherwise meaningless details of our lives. Vision brings your world into focus. Vision brings order to chaos. A clear vision enables you to see everything differently. That's Andy Stanley. So Adrian, how has your vision given you a roadmap for your leadership development? So if you don't know where you're going, I don't know how it's possible to design a path to get there, right? It's, it's fundamentally, you have to have a view, right? A vision of what the end is, right? Begin with the end in mind, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so for me personally, I've always thought of two things. So my vision um, at this point in my career, it doesn't have a title associated with it, but it absolutely is revolves around my ability to create significant impact and provide a road and opportunity for other people. If I'm Powerful. in a role that's allowing me to do that, I am living my vision. Mm -hmm. Because of that, it has absolutely made me think about what kinds of opportunities do I need to seek if that is what I want to accomplish? And what characteristics and or skills do I need if that is the end result that I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. So I think once you know where you're going, it makes it easier to either identify what the steps are to achieve that yourself or to start having conversations with the right individuals who can help you fill in that picture. That if this is where you'd like to be, these are the types of experiences you should have. These are the types of skills that you need to acquire. These are the types of individuals that you need to know and or engage to have them in your network if this is ultimately where you want to go. But it all starts with having a really clear vision of where you're going. And that can be intimidating, right? If you haven't decided that you want to be the CEO of an X organization, or you want to be in this role in five years, if you don't have that level of clarity about your path, that can feel a little intimidating, but you can still have vision about the kind of purpose and impact that you want to make. And that can help you start moving in the right direction. So. Don't get afraid of this notion of having a personal vision. If it doesn't seem crystal clear of what the ultimate end goal is, set a crystal clear vision about the purpose and impact you'd like to make, and that can still start leading you on the right path. Great. Napoleon Hill said, cherish your visions and dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate achievements. Nothing will happen unless you are willing and able to paint a clear picture of your vision for people and mobilize them to join you. Adrian, how can you paint a clear vision for your team? So this one is interesting, right? I think we all probably have had experiences where we have been with or around leaders who are encouraging us to move in a direction, but we don't really know where we're going. Mm -hmm. And it makes it really hard to want to get on and do all of the hard fighting often that we have to do to get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of the things that I've always tried to make sure that in conversations with my team or with teams, that we are really thinking about what is it that we ultimately want to acquire and that it's a stretch, right? For a vision, right, we have to be forward thinking about where we can be and what we can acquire. 
I think all the time I'm in talent acquisition. I want to be the number one choice destination for every employee, period. Period. I want everybody to want to work in the organization that I am working in, period, right? That's a lofty goal. <laughs> one, we can't hire all of the people, <laughs> right? It's a lofty goal. We are probably never going to reach that for everyone. However, it gives us a real clear sense that excellence is where we're trying to fight, right? And that it really is about having an inclusive workforce that's going there with us, right? So it is about making sure that there's, that there's a goal to achieve and that it is a stretch enough that people know that what they're gonna be fighting to achieve, number one. But the second piece of that, right? Because vision and future direction is great, right? But if I don't know how I personally connect to helping us get there, it may not be meaningful for me, right? So we have to also find a way to make sure that every individual can see their unique contribution and connection to getting us to that place, right? So everybody in an organization may not say, well, I don't work in talent acquisition, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not a recruiter. I don't mm -hmm. recruit people every day. What I would challenge them to say, you absolutely do. Mm -hmm. By showing up as a representative of an organization, you are recruiting people all the time, whether you know it or not, right? If you have an opportunity or you know of an opportunity, you tell someone else, you are starting to showcase that. If you are walking around talking about mm -hmm. how challenged you feel in your work and how much you enjoy your environment, you are contributing to that. Everybody sure. can start to see where they are connected to that vision. So I really think it's twofold, right? It has to be future projected. It's got to be motivating so that, that we know there's something that we're going after. And two, we all have to be able to see our unique contribution to that. And if we can do that well and really then provide the supports for individuals mm -hmm. to make those contributions, I think people will absolutely fight with you to get to that future and that end state. Awesome. Awesome. Would you have anything to add, Nicole, or Michael? Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I saw you taking notes, so I just wanted to make sure. Okay. The price tag of leadership is self-discipline. And the definition of self-control is simply to get a grip on oneself. Nicole, can you elaborate on the importance self-discipline. I sure can. So self-discipline to me is what you do when nobody's looking, right? When nobody's asking you to do something specifically. So, you know, it's going to the gym, like you have to motivate yourself. You know, you have to be disciplined. It's watching what you eat, you know, the, those kinds of things. Um, in the workplace, I, I think of it as, you know, it's, it's a reputation builder. Right. So self-discipline leads to working hard and showing others what you're able to do. Um, and for me, I'll say that that was one of the major things that helped build my my reputation early on. Right. So I came to work. I got my did what I said I was going to do, which is a very important point that I mm -hmm. cannot stress enough. But if you say that you're going to do something that you must follow through um, and um, for me, uh, for me, yes, that was the start of uh, building my reputation of somebody who gets it done um, and then leads to the, you know, the other things I talked about, about being a fixer and, you know, all those other things. Um, but I would say that overall, um, self-discipline is really, like Robin said, is, is what kind of builds that, that leadership foundation. Thank you. Everything worthwhile is uphill. 
So self-discipline makes leadership's uphill climb possible. Robin, how? Because everything is inclusive, worthwhile is desirable, good for you, attractive, beneficial. Uphill describes challenging, grueling, exhausting, and difficult, but it will be worthwhile. Think about this. Self-discipline makes the difference between temporary success and sustained success. What additional advice would you give to new leaders about maintaining self-control and self-discipline or self-awareness, should I say, as they climb that corporate ladder? So I will go back to what I said before. Do what you say you're going to do. I mean, that is really like the foundation of it all. Because the moment that people start to realize that you are somebody that over-promises and under-delivers, you've now built a reputation, but it's not on the good side, right? You're now known as this person that's unreliable, um, unfocused, um, and people are not going to consider you for positions and leadership when you're thought of as being somebody who does not deliver. So I can't, I can't stress that one enough. Do what you say you're going to do. So I think I hear you saying changing your thinking changes your habits. If I think negative, I develop procrastination and excuses. If my thinking is positive, I take responsibility and action. That is also true. Okay. Thank you. The expansion of leadership is personal growth. We should always have a desire to grow. I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm always reading, always wanting to explore, just like a child, you know. Um, you tell them the stove is hot, they still touch it because they've just, they've got to figure it out for themselves, right? And so I think it is important for us to continuously expand as leaders. So when we think about growth, it is the only guarantee that tomorrow (laughs) will get better. Michael, when you think of personal growth, what do you feel like you need to learn, unlearn, or relearn to make tomorrow better than today? (laughs) Thank you, Rob. I actually had to do a uh, self-reflection on this one, too, because this was a little bit... uh, challenging but um to learn uh the biggest thing for me i would say is to seek advice and help from others Mm -hmm. um as you can see a little bit from my background i'm more of a lead technician right so i'm a person that's going to go do it don't need anyone else don't need any assistance you know what i mean but now being more of in a leadership role you know what i mean it um for a leader, I need to be let my team be more involved. I need others, you know, and, and look for help and advice and stuff at times because it can't just be me doing the, the job or task, whatever that might be anymore, because I've moved away from that that type of uh, position. Um, so then to unlearn, uh, I would say being impatient. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us, we could probably uh, mm-hmm. feel that we need That's to good. keep going and, 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 you know, we don't have any patience because we want things right now, then and there. Um, but for for um, leaders who are patient, it shows respects. It will increase uh, productivity and also inspire positivity um, if we do that. 
Um, and then the last thing to relearn uh, to relearn is uh, to be reassuring. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing I, I want to focus on more. And, and um, there will always be fears, uncertainties, uh, doubts, and suspicions. But as leaders, it's it's um, behoove of us to uh, be reassuring to others, our peers, um, and those who are, are looking up to us as, as leaders. Awesome. So there's a difference between being goal conscious and growth conscious. And as leaders, we should desire to be more growth conscious. I'll share with you a couple of examples. Focus is on the destination with the goal. With growth, it's on the journey. Goals are seasonal. Growth is lifelong. When the goal is reached, we stopped for the goal consciousness. But for the growth consciousness, when the goal is reached, we keep growing. My last question to Michael, and then I'll open it up for Q&A. How have you worked to eliminate the word average from your vocabulary and life? So this might be a little uh, cliche a bit, but um, it, it's almost to a point where you're embracing every day and you're embracing life as, 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 a, as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, the, the biggest thing I would say, um, understanding that, you know, like I think you mentioned earlier, you know, we, we can change a, a moment or every day we have a new a day to be able to express leadership and mm -hmm. express ourselves um, and, and and because of that I would just say basically embracing life um, to the fullest and then that way I truly believe if you're giving your maximum effort every single day then you're going to not only eliminate that word uh, of average mm -hmm. but you're going to also be a very successful leader um, by doing that. Mm -hmm. so. I just sure. wanted to add something like there, th this notion of like this growth, right? Personal growth, mm -hmm. growth in leadership is something that has been interesting is it, it has impacted me very differently in different stages of my career mm -hmm. that, you know, when you're an individual contributor, you have are responsible for yourself. And then when you start leading people, you are responsible for helping to motivate them. And then when you start leading leaders, right? It is about helping think about how they can contribute more impactfully to an organization. And then when you really start to grow and the expanse of your organizations grow well beyond your ability to touch each individual in it, mm -hmm. you really do have to start thinking about how do I show up as an example, as a motivator, as a clear communicator and a vision caster, right? It starts to change how you impact individuals and or how you think about yourself at every single stage as you move in leadership. And so just think about that. Wherever you are right now in your leadership walk, you are having an influence. Again, even if you're leading from the back, we said mm -hmm. that. But as you continue to change in your kind of viewpoint in an organization and the individuals that you have the ability to have an impact and influence on, you have to start thinking about yourself differently. And that requires growth and ability to be patient with yourself, to relearn some things, to let go of some things that mm -hmm. you really were great at because <laughs> you could do them yourselves and now you just can't do them yourselves mm -hmm. anymore. It, it requires us to reimagine ourselves. And so I love that if you're really embracing every single day, like Michael said, you are taking that day to think, how can I have the greatest impact today? And that may mean sharing a really great high view message or helping people reconnect to the vision because it's what we're going to need to move forward. So it, it really has evolved over time, at least in my world and my life. Excellent. Thank you. What questions do you have for the panel today? 
Yes, I love the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I appreciate the question. I do have one question. Um, leadership at its highest level, do you think that can be something that's learned or that's something that's inherent in an individual? Can you train someone to be an effective leader of not from their day-to-day -day leading themselves or leading a large organization? I would say that um, I think the the whole presentation today is a is encouragement for people to become better leaders, right? I I do think that there's some people that are born with you know inherent qualities that 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 uh, serve them well, you know, in a leadership career. Um, but all of these traits that we've discussed here today are things that can be learned. You know, everything that we've shared. Um, you can take back and share with others and you can actually implement them right now, right? The serving people attitude, self-discipline, these are all things that anybody can learn to do. So I'm gonna take a slightly different view. I, so I agree with everything Okoye said. Everything we've talked about today can be learned, all of it. Um, the decision to learn it, right, though, mm -hmm. is, is up to the individual. Mm -hmm. And so I think anybody can be taught to lead an organization. Mm -hmm. I don't know that everyone can be taught to be an exceptional leader of an organization, yeah. right? Yeah. And those can be two different things. And so that notion, so I, this is just my view, mm -hmm. right? That, that notion of servant leadership and it not being about you, I think is essential to leadership. Mm -hmm. and while you can learn over time to do that, if it is not a part of who you are or your core belief, it's gonna be harder to do that and let that be the thing that leads you. And I do firmly believe that that is essential to really exemplary mm -hmm. successful leadership. And so I think there are two sides of the coin. I do think everybody can be taught to lead them. Mm -hmm. You say there's a difference between a, someone being a leader and an individual who's taught to lead. I mean, I, I think I think there's a, there's a good twist to it. I think uh, kind of going back, you could probably tell, you, you can probably see that you'll you'll notice that because I think you can see someone who's more genuinely, you know, they, they have that charisma about themselves. And I think you, you can be able to, I think, differentiate between that a little bit. Um, uh, and going back to what we were just saying, I think that if you see that one side that, you know, you can be taught, the other side, you know, someone could, you know, have the, the qualities already instilled in them already. And I think it just, that will be shown more, it'll be more effective, I think, um, from, from my perspective for it. I mean, I'll start off saying that anything, anytime you post something on the internet, right? I mean, it's out there. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that you can, you can erase it. Um, what you can do is control what you do going forward, right? So you maybe give your Facebook page a new, look new look new for refresh it um and uh kind of steer yourself in a different direction going forward i mean everybody makes mistakes right everybody was young at some point and did something stupid um doesn't necessarily mean that um there's no future for you um in the cleared world but i would say that the more that we can impart that on young people to start early thinking about those kinds of things the better off that they would be. So it sounds like you're doing some some good things starting with them now. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would just add to that is there was a time I can remember that we absolutely would not take social in interactions into account, right? 
Like we were scared to look at your social media. We wanted nothing to do with it from a recruitment standpoint because it, it's, it innately creates immediate bias because we're all human. Uh, that's just not the world we live in anymore, right? I recruit you through social media. I'm looking for you through the digital imprint you put in the world. So I want you to have a digital imprint so that I can find you. But it also means that I can find out a lot about you. And so this notion of I am authentically me wherever I show up, you are, right? And as you're developing and trying to decide who you are, it is good to offer that you don't have to share every piece of who you are with the world all the time, right? Um, but I also think from a disruptive standpoint that they are the future. Mm -hmm. And at some point, they're going to be making the decisions about who gets hired and why. And they're mm -hmm. going to remember what their past experiences were. And they're going to be looking for people who are bold and open and willing to be themselves in whatever environment and medium that they are in. We're starting to see disruptive technology that is taking all of that into account even today. So I don't want us to encourage young people <laughs> to do really insane things and capture it all, right? So that it, it lives forever in their future. But I do want us to embrace the notion that what we have always thought is the best path forward will continue to change. And they will be making those decisions at some point, right? And we will have to incorporate that at some point, people in leadership will be making decisions that I know nothing about you because you've not been vocal. And I, so I don't know enough to want to take the risk on who you are because I can't see who you are in the world, right? Things are evolving. It's about making the right choices about what you share with the world and the things that you keep to yourself. Um, can you speak to, this is for the entire panel, can you speak to how you make that transition from being a problem solver, the person that's actually doing the work, to um, to helping others solve problems, particularly when you're not the subject matter <laughs> so I will offer this because I lead teams for whom I am not the subject matter expert. I've never done their job. I'm not sure that I want to do their job. Um, and it, it, it initially it was a challenge for me because I have gotten where I am, I think primarily because I was good at doing what I know how to do because I was this to me. Right. So it, I was uh, had a lot of imposter syndrome in the beginning because I couldn't rely on the fact that I would know all of the answers. Um, and so what I had to do in that environment was two things. One, I had to go out on a limb and trust that some other people who are subject matter experts are and that I had to empower them to be exactly that and not get in the way of their expertise but to change the influence that I could have in their lives. So my job for those individuals on my team now, is getting roadblocks out of the way. How can I encourage your opportunity to really be the best subject matter expert? Um, getting into know enough about what they're doing, right? And being honest and authentic that I am not this me, but, but here's my demonstrated successes of what I can do for you to create opportunities for them to be exposed and for them to flourish. Right? I just had to change the way I evaluated my success, ultimately. Right? I had to change the way I evaluated myself as successful and change it from the dynamic of the doing to the being open to let other people do, but to have enough influence at the table that I could deliver on what they needed. Get the roadblocks out of the way, make sure that they are visible, make sure that they have opportunity and trust them to be subject matter experts unless they showed me that right, that, that wasn't the right decision to make but it was, it was an interesting transition to make.
Yeah, and it's, it's not easy, right? So when you're used to being that problem solver, that fixer, you know, that it's comfortable, you know, for you. Um, and like Adrian said earlier about making a decision about attitude, you have to make a decision about this too. You know, do you want to always be the doer or do you want to be the leader? And if you make that decision that you want to be the leader one day, you have to decide that, you know what, just like she said, you got to step back and empower your team and get people around you that you trust and that can get the work done um, and go from there. So. so the last thing I'll add on to it, because I'm more onto the technical side, I, I maintain um, an enterprise um, throughout, um, throughout the, the U.S. And uh, it's, it goes back to the trust, um, but it's also, since I have a smaller team at the moment, it's uh, playing on their strengths and weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go to someone you know who's a little bit more um, in this area compared to you know this other area. So that way, when you have a team like that, you can be basically drive them to their fullest and then you'll get the work and accomplish uh, what things need to be done, so. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming. I wanna say a special thank you to Michael Dawson and Nikoya Green, who are our general two of our General Dynamics Award winners. So, thank you. And so I'm very appreciative that um, they decided to participate in the panel with us. So thank you for your participation. We're so grateful that you came. Don't forget to fill out the survey. We hope you learned something today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Leadership Begins With Me, presented by General Dynamics, a professional development seminar featuring Human Resources Manager Robin Butler, Senior Director of Operations, Nicoya Green, Information Systems Supervisor, Michael Dawson, and Director of Strategic Talent Programs, Adrian Alberts. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.bea.org. For college students, Contact us at 410-244-7101.